everybody, what's going on? Today we got David Fine on the show, on the Just Saying podcast, and uh, he is the broadcaster and basically in charge of anything media related with the Reading Royals, a hockey team out of Reading, Pennsylvania. He went to Syracuse University, he grew up in Jersey, he uh, paved his way through the broadcasting industry, and I'm sure he's got a very bright future ahead of him. He has really interesting stories about being on the road with the Royals, and uh, it was a very interesting and great conversation to have with the man, David Fine from the Reading Royals, on today's show. Also, I know, I know you're going to complain about the audio issues. I'm working on it. Apparently, you just can't plug a USB mic into a laptop and say, hey, I can podcast now. Because your laptop goes, hey, jackass. It's a little bit more difficult than that. So, I'm working that out. Um, So, hopefully in the future, we'll have much better sound quality. So, I apologize in advance, but... Nonetheless, David Fine from the Reading Royals. Enjoy the show. David Fine, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I'm just saying with Justin Worley, myself. Uh, what made you want to go from a broadcast booth in the professional environment of the Reading Royals to a spare room in the Exeter Commons area, wing spread? And yeah, by the way, I don't, I'm fine with telling everybody my headphones were garbage or the echo in this room is garbage. That's not scary to me. Uh, what made you want to do this? Yeah, so um, you invited me, and I was like, why not? You know, it would be a fun thing to do. That is uh, easy. You'll, you'll find that uh, in the off-season of the ECHL and off-season of any sport, that uh, a broadcaster for a team is looking for an excuse to talk. <laughs> uh, no, but it, honestly, it's, it seems like a good way. You know, I've been here the last year to, you know, get out, talk about what I do a little bit, so what we do with the Royals. So. Good, and I'm glad to have you. I'm happy as hell to have you on. Um Let's talk a little bit about you and your, uh, you know, you have your LinkedIn here and you can get all kinds of stuff on you through that. But what I don't see a lot of is the little David Fine. <laughs> who, who were you growing up in New Jersey, Bloomfield High, before that? Though, I want to go even back before that. Elementary school, David Fine. I was a bad kid, um... When I was in sixth grade, I was playing soccer, and I 
I'm not by any stress of the imagination a good athlete. Like I played tennis in high school, but like I could never do what the guys I'm describing in the hockey world doing. Like I could never do that. Uh, but I remember like tripping a kid in sixth grade soccer, and I totally did it on purpose. Yeah. Like I still remember it. <laughs> and I remember my grandfather like yelling at me afterwards, like right in my face, right. like, you know, what are you doing? Like I was not that well behaved of a no. kid. Um, at all, like I still even to a certain extent, like I listen to directions and listen, but the, you know, I'm, I, I sometimes I'm skeptical. Uh, so um, I don't think I was a very good kid, and yeah, that's that's the long that's well, the long answer short. Well, okay, so let's get let's get into that a little bit because I was not a good kid as well. I uh, are you more skeptical of someone that says they are a good kid? Yes, yeah, yes, I, I I stay away from those people <laughs> because I know I'm willing to say that I was not the. Actually, I would be willing to say I was a terrible kid growing up. Horrible adolescent years. Um, yeah, I okay, for example, this is me as a bad kid. First grade, I, 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 you know, I was a big fan of movies and stuff. And when, when a guy and a girl fight in a movie at that time, the guy always storms out and has a big, big, like, mat, like, gr- grand exit, like, where he's breaking glasses and doing all these things in like a romantic like drama thing. So I thought, well that's what it, that's what you do when a girl doesn't like you. So I in, in in first grade, I asked a girl for a kiss. That's pretty bold. Yeah. And she said no. Well, I went back to, through my notes and oh, what you do here is you act like you're angry and upset, even though I didn't even know what rejection was at that time, but so at the end of the day, we were stacking our chairs on the top of our desks. And I go, all right, well, I'm going to get her right here. I, I slapped her chair off the top of her desk, which then careened into other desks and chairs. Ended up being way bigger than I ever thought it was going to be. And, uh, yeah, needless to say, I got sent home and a, and a letter sent to my oh, teachers because, because I did this. But I thought that's how you were supposed to react. I complete, And if you ask my fiancé now, if she says not much, it's probably changed. But, <laughs> but that's my idea of, of not being the best kid growing up. Do you have any moments like that? I'm trying to remember. Embarrassing youthful oh, moments um, that made good stories. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, I remember, I think it was like in seventh grade, and um, our like our chemistry class or whatever, but like not like intense chemistry because like you did it in high oh, school. Yeah, sure. But whatever it was, like biology, chemistry, like it was it was like a joke in the class. Like yeah. I had no problem saying like did not learn anything the entire year. And uh, I remember like we had like a field day thing where like our class just went outside. Like there was this little like field in the back soccer field, actually that same soccer field where I tripped the kid in sixth grade. Uh, but I'm um, like, we went out there and we're like throwing a frisbee, and then there was this kid, and I was just like, I'm just gonna like try to tackle him when he catches the frisbee, and I didn't. He got up and pushed me to the ground, like just being. So you got being, like sort of your first fight. Yeah, like no, no, first fight was a couple of years before that. Really? There, yeah. Um, someone pushed me into. The, uh, when I was when I was in elementary school, probably fourth grade, <laughs> like pushed me playing basketball. I love playing basketball. I can't do it anymore because my shoulders. But um, and we'll pop right out in a second. But uh, like he like pushed me into like the gravel on like the blacktop. It was ooh, more like gravelly, not like straight blacktop. That's pretty gravelly. nasty. Yeah, I, I never forget the kid that did it, Jordan Bono. Like won't forget him. I'll call him out. Uh, and uh, and like I coming for you. And I had like you know the little like rocks like you know tore the skin right off the kneecap and like had like little rocks in there. It was nasty, you know, nasty fourth grade. Sure, yeah. Um, in suburban New Jersey, <laughs> and, and uh, 
Like I got up and the, the lunch attendant was like trying to like that she saw it happen and she knew yeah. I was gonna be angry. And I like I'm pretty sure like I did like a little like swim move and like the like an NFL <laughs> lineman would do to like get around her and like I probably just like hit the kid once or twice, but right. you remember those like stressful moments. You got some shots in? I don't know if I got any shots in. Like I was always the taller kid, I right? Guess I still am being like six foot three. I'm yeah, you're not like, a small guy. No, but um like I don't remember really getting any shots in. Like they're probably separated pretty pretty quickly. Right. But, I don't know. Maybe that's like the most. That's the closest <laughs> I've ever been to being in like a real fight. You may have punched me once. But you're better off. Let me tell you, it's yeah, not fun. Yeah, like that's why I broadcast hockey to just watch these guys beat each other. <laughs> yes, you get to describe what they're doing instead yeah. of being involved. <laughs> okay, so that was that was the uh, elementary time. For the most part, you you were kind of. I won't even call you a bad kid from those stories. Bad, those I are mean, weak, bad story, <laughs> bad kid stories. Those are weak. I mean, yeah, those are, those are yes. Like, I, I can say I've had some emotional and slightly physical confrontations. Okay, tell me your most awkward, let's go from elementary to junior high relationship story. Oh, yeah, so uh, I asked a girl out, and I, I'm, I'm Jewish, I asked a girl out at my bar mitzvah, and she said, Ooh! Said no. Ooh, was this early in the day? This was like, but it was like sort of a build-up for the entire thing. Like, you know, in seventh grade, I was like, I told one of my friends, I think I'm going to do this. Um, my friend Ethan, who works in New Orleans now. And uh, he was like, oh, we got to try to, and then he like talked to someone else. Like, how can we get them to be like by themselves? Oh, Because you had to be by yourself yeah, at yeah, that yeah. age. Well, yeah, yeah, like in seventh grade. <laughs> Eventually, I was just like, hey, like, want to go see a movie sometime? Like, I don't know. And she, and, she, and she was just like, oh, I'm not really sure, you know. And that oh, was, just blew it all. At the time, I'm, at the time, seventh grade, David thinks like, oh, there's still a chance. Like, she's not sure. But like, now, 12, you know what that now, means. like, uh, 13, 14, 15 years later, David knows like, that's a, lo- a load of, yes, know, yes. Um, so that, that's probably the most awkward one. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right. Well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you a good one. I was date. This is how shallow... Uh, elementary school Justin was uh, this girl we, we were uh, okay we call it dating you went nowhere you yeah, didn't, you, and your parents dropped you at the movie theater. yes and when you're past each other in the school hallway you avoid you don't even look at each other no, no. you just kind of oh, we're, we're together I'm not ever going to talk to you <laughs> but uh, at least in this small town it is and uh, so she ended up spraining her ankle or something like that and then somebody this is the harshness of of kids somebody so she was on crutches and somebody had told me that the girl had a back brace and made fun of me for dating a girl with a back brace like back brace like she was heavier no, 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 like, no, no, like no she wasn't that big no no no, 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 no. Like, no you know, she like, things that yeah her out. her back i guess as as, as they, they figured out was not forming correctly okay she okay. it was she had like a like scoliosis. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And, um, Remember that word? Yes, that's yes. A, that's a throwback word. Sorry. Yes, no, this. you're way more educated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll, fi- we'll figure more of that out later. Um, but yeah, so she had a back brace on. So then I, I didn't even notice early on. And then I started looking at her. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can see she has a back brace on. And it freaked me out. And then I was getting made fun of. So, of course, I got to do damage control with sixth grade Justin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's Valentine's Day. And we've only been going out like a week or two, going out. And uh, she goes, oh, we don't have to get anything for each other. You know, it's Valentine's Day. And, you know, I bought that. I re- Oh, good, because I'm not staying with you long anyway. I didn't want to have to, you know, ask my parents to borrow money. Um, 
So Valentine's Day comes around. Here she is on her crutches and her back brace with a bag of stuff that she got me. Oh. And I have nothing. Oh. I have nothing. And then I, and I go, oh, well, I didn't get you anything. She goes, no, it's okay. It's fine. I said we didn't have to get anything. And then I felt completely guilty and, and horrible. So all I had was change from my lunch money. And she was, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I gave her about a dollar twenty-five in change. And she's like, no, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. I dumped it in her backpack that she was carrying with her, knowing she couldn't chase me because she was on crutches and ran to my next class. <laughs> there plus there's like 40 more of those, but we don't have to talk about all of them. This is about you. She, she uh, she's in the fault there. Like <laughs> Like yeah, she shouldn't have a back brace, right? No, is that what no, you're trying no, to say? No, I'm because, kidding. <laughs> um, it's, if, you're, if there's an agreement not to get each other something, it's always the, the guy is only is always only the one that can lose in this situation. Yes, right? yes. So you're better like, off being yeah, safe. Yeah, I learned that. that. That's her fault. <laughs> that, that's her fault. I have no problem saying that. So um, okay. This is why I'm single. Oh, well, hey, that's, <laughs> hey, you know what though? You're at times in life. That's not a that's not a bad thing because you can have the freedom to do whatever the heck you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the amount of traveling you've done in your life that would be very difficult, yeah. you know, in a relationship. It yeah. just would be. Yes. Um, so let's go to high school. At some point, I'm assuming in this time, and judging on you know your college choice and what you chose to do, you thought, okay, you've already told me that you didn't think the athletic side of things is going to work out. Yeah. Uh, when did you decide to get into the broadcasting? Yes, yeah, so um, my dad is not involved. He likes sports. Mm. My mom doesn't like sports. My dad like thought about, he said, being a sports broadcaster when he was a kid, but then like didn't do it. He's a scientist, research scientist. Um, still in Jersey? Uh, he lives up in uh, Connecticut now. My mm. mom still lives in Jersey. Or he lives up in New York and works in Connecticut. like right on the border there, but my mom still lives in Jersey. Uh, anyway, so um, I was actually, I remember this, like, I was a junior in high school, um, and you know, like, you know, like a PSAT. Remember, there's like yes. an SAT, but like there's the practice SAT. Yeah, guess who didn't take that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I remember like my mom bought me like a book of like five of them, and this is like at the beginning of your junior year, so it's just when you're starting to like think about colleges. Right. For most of, I feel like kids nowadays are probably thinking when they're eight years old about college. Right. Oh yeah, it's earlier. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's a lot earlier, but. Um, books at Barnes and Noble, like those $20 books, like where will you go to school? Yeah, yeah. But these PSATs, and I remember at the beginning it said like, this is what you will see in a week when you take the test. And I was like, finally going to take one or two of the practice ones in the final week. So you could get some like college scholarship money. It was actually like a good thing to do if right. you did well on the actual one. This was just a practice one to practice before the practice. Right. Uh, but it said like, what major do you, are you anticipating doing in college? Like, because if you say which one, then colleges from, uh, will send you uh, information on them that has those programs. Nice. And so I'm sitting there, and again, this is just what I'm going to see in a week. I'm like, kind of, communications, like, kind of, maybe I want to be a broadcaster. Yeah. Um, I grew up a big New Jersey Devils fan, which is how I got. Oh God. And you're, and I invited you on. Yeah. Well, I, grew, <laughs> I noticed how I said it. I grew up a big. Devils. Right. But the Devils broadcaster was Mike Emmerich. Yeah, yeah. On TV, and he's the guy, Doc Emmerich, that does the national for yep. NBC and yep. used to work for the Flyers. And, um, you know, he grew up in North Jersey in the late 90s and they won, you know, three cups. 
bus. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason I grew up a Devils fan and they played 10 minutes from where I grew up. And I was like listening and watching the Devils games and Doc Emmerich. It's like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And it sort of died down a little bit. And, you know, you, take, you do all this stuff and you start visiting schools. And then you realize like, hey, you know, this is actually, it's not like some made up thing. If you want to try to do this, you can choose to do this. When I had reasonable enough high school grades and, you know, my dad was very serious about making sure that my writing was good, um, which I didn't really realize maybe until I got into college that like, heck, um, I can be pretty simple in how I write and it won't hurt me. Mm -hmm. And that's a very strong characteristic of journalism is to be very simple in how you write, but very strong and very uh, uh, um, varied in your sentence structure. And then, I'm, then all of a sudden, you're at Syracuse, and uh, I'm doing it at one of the better, you know, communication schools. I still sure. I think it's the best one in the country. You hear a lot of people that are successful have been through that. There, yeah. spe- specifically Syracuse. Yeah, yeah. And not to get off point from more about high school stuff, but like going up to Syracuse, yeah, it's 20 degrees, and uh, every day in yeah. December and January it feels like in February, and it snows. My freshman year there, it snowed on like April 26th. Wow. And I know that because the university basically throws like a big party the last Friday of classes, like most schools do. Um, and they call it May Fest. And it used to be in May, but then it was like after finals uh, were done. So people went absolutely crazy. So they moved it to the last week of April, the last week of classes, but still called it May Fest. And anyone from up there, up in Syracuse, would know what this is. Um, and I mean, it, it just turns into like an off campus, non university sponsored party. Where like former Syracuse basketball players have come back and like partied with the students, like it's a lot of fun. But it snowed in on May Fest, oh. my freshman year, and then my I think my sophomore or junior year it snowed as well. Maybe my senior year, I don't remember. But um, but yeah, so like then all of a sudden you're in a top broadcasting program in the country, and you still got to put in the work. There's a thousand kids that are like you trying to do the same thing, but if you can find little ways, you know, different internships, different things to separate yourself, then like you put yourself in a pretty decent spot. Like anyone from up there would tell you. So, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's awesome. And obviously your good high school grades, uh, translated to, uh, to college. What did you end up with a 3.8? Something like that. 3.8. Yeah. Where did you find that? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's on your LinkedIn. You put that on your LinkedIn. You put that in there. Oh God, I gotta go delete that. <laughs> yeah. You put that on there. The 3.8. Yeah. You could just lie. Say four. It'll be fine. Oh, I'm, I'm the classic, and this I feel like this is the same way for like most. Because I consider myself a journalist first before anything. Mm. Some people can call oh, I'm a broadcast. No, like I'm trying to find out stories about these guys. When, you know, Matthias Cleland, who just signed uh, with the Port, uh, the team up in Portland, Maine, the Maine Mariners. Mm. I saw that he scored in his first professional game. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. That's but cool. then the journalist thing to figure out is like, okay, when did he score? And then I noticed he scored like a minute into his first professional game. Wow. So I go and I'm like, well, what happened? What was what was the situation? Was it your first shot? Was it your first shift? And then he says like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he starts telling the story and then he go tell that on the air. Like that's journalism. Absolutely. Um, but th- that's different than like just being a talking head or a podcaster. Sure. But yeah. And I don't think most people look into well, half that stuff. What I, not the, what I meant to say is about a 3.8 GPA. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I, I like got a 90 in absolutely everything. Like my grade, I wouldn't would never get like an eighty-eight. I would never get like a ninety-three. It was always like a ninety. Most journalists are like that. Like you know a lot about a lot, a, a little about a lot, but not you're not like specialized. Right, 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 right. Like that. Wow, yeah, that's interesting. And you you see that a lot in your uh, the other people that you work with. You yeah. see that it's it's similar throughout. 
Yeah, because we all have like really random memories of certain things, like the story I just told about that defenseman. Right, right, right. Um, but we don't. We couldn't tell you a thousand things about one thing, but we could tell you five things about a thousand things. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty. I think you all have OCD. I think that's where that comes from. <laughs> that's where that comes from. Um, all right, so you're at Syracuse, 2011 to 2015. Yeah. Uh, you got your New York internship, 2012, correct? Yeah. And that's at ESPN New York. Yeah. Now, how crazy is that? You grew up watching ESPN, and now all of a sudden you're on the local station. So, I, yeah. Um, I wasn't, like, on it, but I was helping out behind the scenes. So okay. There's a guy named, and I still feel bad about this, I used to work, like, two times a week from... The shift was the show was from four to six a.m. It would leave into Mike and Mike. Guy that works for like Fox Business now. His name's Jared Max. He's one of the o only openly gay sports commentators out there. Mm -hmm. um, but I used to go in, and Scott Seidenberg was the producer. And these guys probably wouldn't remember me, right? But um, Scott like hosts a show on NBC Sports now, and so it's these guys. And I'm there four to six a.m. And then I would come in like at later points on different days. So. Wednesday, I might be in from 8 to 4, like a normal shift. Okay. Uh, which I have a Stephen A. Smith story, which I'll share <laughs> in a second. Uh, but anyway, so like I would go in at 4 in the morning. I would drive into New York City because there's no public transportation in New Jersey at 2 a.m. or right. something. Sure. And so would go in, and I still feel bad about the fact that I would like call screen. That would be the same, like 10 guys over and over again. <laughs> this guy called, and he, he's like, hi, this is LZ. Put me on. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, LZ, I don't know who you are. Like, I hung right. up. I'm like an 18 year old kid. And sure. He called back. He's like, I'm LZ Granderson. Like, put me on the show. Like, keep me on hold or whatever. Right, he's right. being nice about yeah. it. He's tired. He's up early. Sure. Turns out he was best buddies with Jared, and he's like a major contributor to CNN on Sports. Oh. And like, I know, I thought this guy was crazy. Well, yeah, you don't know. And I was like, LP, LD. I'm like, what? <laughs> His name's LZ Granderson. And I remember like hanging up on him like three times in a row at 4:30 in the morning. Stop playing with the phone. Yeah. Man. <laughs> and but so like that was, <laughs> but Jared and Scott were great guys and like they let me do a lot of like helping out stuff that you couldn't do on let's say like the Michael K show sure yeah but Stephen A. Smith had his own show there in New York only at the time hmm. and uh now he has like a national show from one to three back then he had a show after like first tape with Skip Bayless right right beyond from like one to two it would be like every, Colin Cowherd at ten right right to one or something or no Colin Cowherd from ten to noon and this was back when they were just radio yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I remember listening to Colin. Yeah. Yeah, I liked him on the radio. Yeah, he was one of my favorites when he was on the New York station. 12 to 1 would be Mike Lupica, who was a New York Daily News writer, but he had his own radio show. And then I think 1 to 2 or 1 to 3 was Stephen A. Smith. But one time Stephen A. comes in and he's like exhausted. He just had like, as he put it, like a battle with Skip Bayless for about <laughs> two hours. And so he comes into the studio um, and right in the, you know, right above. Madison Square Garden where their studio is to be. And I, I've probably told this story 500 times where he comes in and he's like, I, I need, it's like whispering. He's like, I need someone to, I'm whispering, like, I just need to relax. Can someone get me like a sandwich from downstairs in Penn Station? And so they just like looked at me. I'm the only intern. <laughs> he's a young man. What are you getting me? <laughs> young man. A young man. Like the exact same way he said it on air. I don't do a good impression, but he's like, can you get me on, on, on Marble Rye? You know? <laughs> And he starts talking like he's about to get into like a battle against yeah. like Skip He has Bayless. a point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like uh, some, some honey ham and some turkey and some Swiss with uh, just a little, little Russian dressing on the side <laughs> and some pickles. They know I like pickles down there. Say two, two 
nice pickles for Stephen A. <laughs> and, and, you know, and some lettuce and some tomato. I was like, are you writing this down? I'm like, no, but I will. And I was just like looking up at it. Right. And uh, so I went and got Stephen A. Smith his sandwich. And he's on the air, like, when I get back up with the sandwich. And I, I like, walk into the studio holding the sandwich. And they're like, go in, go in. And so he's, like, talking. He's, like, in the middle of, like, battling some one of his callers. Right. Like, no, 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 no. Like, this, you're wrong. This, you're wrong on this. This is the right way. And I walk in and he looks at me and he goes, Oh, thank you, young man. And he continues talking <laughs> about whatever he like perfectly switched out. He like muted his mic in the process and then came right back to the uh, to arguing with the caller or something. He, not one skip. Bro. Yeah. Not one skip, man. And I'm so happy to see like the success he has now because he just he's an awesome guy in person too. People say, Oh, he's a blowhard, he doesn't actually like think those things. Like, no, he's passionate about everything. Right. I mean, it's awesome to see. You so. don't have to agree with what he says, but he's good at what he does. You yeah. can't argue that. I don't think you can argue that. I don't agree with a lot of the things he says, but I do realize that there's talent there and that's pretty, yeah. pretty damn good. Yeah, that, that internship was a fun one. Like, I don't think I really got much out of it other than like getting a sandwich. A sandwich? You got a sandwich. Some people wouldn't be able to get the sandwich. Right. So, um, However, I want yeah. no mayo on yeah. that sandwich. Yeah, 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 yeah. As the computer here Scares me again for the fifth time today. Um, so that was that was strictly radio your whole time in New York in yeah, 2012. It was just yep, I okay. went to a few train stations in like West Orange, New Jersey, and passed out like coupons to listen to because oh. they were switching from 10:50 a.m. to 98.7 FM. Okay, one of the first big stations to like switch to FM. Okay, to try to get more listeners sure. from AM at the time in 2012. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Wow. So you were you were part of the whole switch? Yeah, that's yeah. pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, then it says. Then it says, Blue Claws. Yeah. And that is in 2013, May to to August. Yeah. 2013. Now, how does that, how does that happen? Okay. So I guess you're, you graduate, you don't graduate Syracuse because you're doing an internship. So how do you, uh, how do you go about getting that internship for ESPN Radio New York? Because, I mean, do you know somebody in there? Like, did did you? Uh, so my aunt has worked in like some sponsorship stuff before and she like knew someone who knew someone who knew someone. Uh-huh. And so like they brought me in for an interview for some reason. I didn't really know why. And they're like, do you know anyone that works here? I'm like, no, but like my aunt knows this person who's like friends with them. And they're like, oh, we know this guy. And then like two weeks later, you're interning in the number one market radio station. God, it's got to be intimidating. It, it pretty much was like having to, and this was something like when I was growing up in New Jersey, I didn't really commute like into New York City all that much. Hear that from a lot of people from New Jersey. Yeah. Same thing with Long Island, just because like, yeah, you go in for, if you want to see like a show or like go to Yankee or Met game. But other than that, like what's the point? There's everything that you need in Long Island or New Jersey. Well, right, or, yeah, sure. Or Connecticut or wherever you are. Right. And it's a pain and it costs $10 for a train ticket yes. one way yep. or $9 for a bus ticket one way. And it's only a 30, 45 minute ride on, on train or bus or driving. Then if you drive, you got to pay $30 for parking. Right. And I, I, a lot of people just like don't go in all that often. I feel it's, I don't know, maybe it's sort of similar to here to Philly. Like you don't have to, but. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I hate driving in Philly. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Not like New York, but it's horrible. People yeah. just walking out in the middle of the street constantly. Yeah. In center city of Philadelphia. It's awful. And that's the way it is in writing sometimes. So, uh, uh, yes. Yes, it different. is. Yes, uh, it is. <laughs> but uh, to get to like Lakewood, the next summer I was just called the broadcaster and was like, hey, thinking about wanting to maybe get into baseball broadcasting one day. 
like, I know you don't really have a position for it, but is there anything I can do? The guy said, yeah, come along. And I was like, well, I really like to make some practice play-by-play tapes because at that point, I was already interning with the Syracuse Crunch in the American Hockey Okay. League, and I interned with them all four years I was in school. No way. Yeah. Uh, and that's part of the, that's like what really got me into hockey. Um, but then at that point, I was like, okay, I want to do play-by-play. So is there any way I can come in, make a few like play-by-play tapes, um, see Joey Gallo hit home runs against sure. the Blue Claws, uh, <laughs> Mitch Walding, who's on the Phillies now, was right. on that team yep. uh, for, for Lakewood. Um, and yeah, that was sort of how I just basically asked. And the guy down there is still their broadcaster named Greg Giambarisi. Um, he loves horse racing. I have not been in touch with him for like three years yeah. now. Um, the broadcaster that he worked with, his like official assistant broadcaster, has worked in AAA before with the out in Colorado. I think they're the Sky Sox in Colorado Spring. Okay. Um, but he worked there afterwards. But yeah, like we're all community and connected. So, um, but yeah, it was like working with the Crunch, and then ended up in Lakewood for after that summer. That's right. You did. You were with the Syracuse Crunch yeah. from eleven to fifteen. Yeah. So, so what do you prefer more? Does it matter what sport you're talking about, or no. do, or you can kind of get a grasp of anything like I mean you look like a jack of all trades on this paperwork here because it, you, you've done softball you've done lacrosse you've done baseball you've done hockey like there had to be a sport where you didn't kind of know the ins and outs of it I, I would say it's the one I broadcast the most games for because a hockey broadcaster says that baseball is most difficult baseball broadcaster including Mike Ventola with the Bills yeah. said oh, hockey is the most difficult but baseball to me was actually the toughest but I brought before I got the job uh, out of school. Um, I had with the team in Nebraska, which you know uh, was great. But like I had broadcast more baseball than hockey. But I still thought baseball was the toughest because. And now I don't think it would be for me. But at the time, you're trying to find your voice and have like you know that resonant voice control as a broadcaster. So in baseball. If you go the two two and you're like, <laughs> you sound awful. Sure, yeah. But in hockey, you're like, passed up the left wing. He comes in on goalie scores. Maybe you can show voice. emotion though. Yeah. You're allowed to. And your voice cracks a little bit. That's fine. Right. It's not great. You don't want it to happen, but it happens a couple times in broadcast in various moments just because you're talking more. Right. Um, and at the time, I thought, man, hockey is so much easier than baseball because your voice, you can play around with it more. And make a mistake, and it's okay, and just recover. Mm-hmm. And baseball, like it ruins an entire half inning if your voice like cracks on a you know single up the middle or <laughs> instead of single up the middle. So did that happen to you when you were making it? Well, you didn't. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it did. I'm trying to remember times, but it's also just a matter of being secure in where you're going next. Right. And in hockey, your mind has to work a little bit quicker to figure out where you're going next. Uh yeah, I like a lot. To me, to me, being outside, it it looks like it takes. Zero seconds. You have to know the next 30 seconds of what you're saying. It's sort of like you have to anticipate more because in baseball, it's like, you know, um, Rodriguez gets the ball, works from the stretch, right. runs on first and second, two outs, one nothing, running fighting fills, leading the Bowie Bay Sox here in the fifth. He winds back and throws. Right. And then you're just waiting. But in hockey, it's like he's going to pass here. You can see him because you've watched him do that before. And then you assume that the defender is going to pick it off because he's in good, a good position. And then you just have to figure out where the puck goes next from there. Right. Yeah. See, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I am baffled by the speed that you guys can call a hockey game. Like, I'm sitting there. I don't even – half the time I'm watching it on TV. 
and I don't see what the heck you just said. <laughs> like the, all the all the like down down tight by the goal when you guys can see the puck, and I'm watching it with the best cameras. <laughs> and well, I you I can cheat though. In it. <laughs> How can you cheat? Because if you see that cheat, there's five, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so if there's five guys around the puck and it's like a foot from the net on the radio, all I have to do is be like scramble. Oh, okay. Well, that's cheated. Sure. It's not, you have to have the presence of mind to know that right. that's what it is and not be like, the puck is there, but it's there, and it's there, like, all at once. But if the puck, like, if it hits off three sticks in, like, two seconds, puck pinballs to the corner. Done. No, that's, that's very, that's a lot more simpler than I would. I would have sat there and stammered. I think it hit that guy. I think it hit that. It's in his sock. It might be, it, I don't know where it is now. I don't know. Guess is, you guys guess. I don't know. I would have quit. <laughs> I would have quit. If I don't see where the puck is, I might just say... The guy that passed it is from this hometown. If for some reason, you know. Would you? What, what if you don't know that? Would you just make up a hometown? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> oh, the guy that passed it's from Schenectady. That, that's, the, that's the research, though. But generally, going into a, especially a radio broadcast, there's three things, three biographical pieces that I like to have for every single player. On the Royals, it's ten per guy because you learn them over time. Sure. But if you're going playing a new team, the first time we play the team in Wheeling, West Virginia, this year. I'll have like three, four things written down, just biographical stuff. He's from this hometown. He played with this team last year and scored this many goals. And here's an interesting fact that like his mom, like a famous chemist that was eligible for like a Nobel Peace Prize, whatever right. random thing that you can find. All that's true. You're not making anything up. Right. Um, and that's part of the research process that goes into it. Now, how, how do you, don't mean to interrupt, yeah, yeah, yeah. but where do you find all that? Like I, I, I had the ability to do what a LinkedIn search on you. Like, to find some of these guys that have, I mean, stuff's all over the internet, but yeah. how the heck do you, is that all you do? You do like a Google search of the guy's name and you find out all kinds of stuff about him? Is that, I'm as, trying to think of a good example. So, um, I'm drawing a blank on one of our guys. Oh, here's a good one. So, John Muse was the goaltender for the Royals this year uh, at, in the playoffs. He went back up between the AHL and he signed an NHL contract and he was with Lehigh Valley for about half the year. Mm-hmm. He actually had probably the second greatest regular season for a Royals goaltender ever, and he led the league in save percentage. Wow. Uh, he was really, really good. He was better than this level, but a numbers game, he got pushed down. Sure. Uh, so he's a, just to give you a sense, he's a two-time national champion at Boston College. And so you see he played for Boston College, and hey, he was kind of there when they were really good. Did he win anything? John Muse, Boston College National Championships. Oh, yeah, he was the starting goalie. You find a box score where he was the starting goalie uh, for when they won one of the national championships. And you're like, okay, well, how did he do? Take it even further with you that then, okay, so he starts his pro career, seven years of pro hockey, right? And he played, uh, he was the winningest goaltender for the Charlotte Checkers in their team history. I'm forgetting off the top of my head whether it was four or five full seasons with Charlotte, but basically he was with Charlotte for most of the first five seasons of his career. But I don't remember it off the top of my head. Yeah, your notes. And you don't want to have it in my yeah. notes. I think it, maybe it was 2011 to 15, so that would be four full seasons, right? But I don't. I might not remember that off the top top of my head right at that one second. So instead of say, trying to come up with a stat that I know might be wrong out of midair, I might just say John Muse who's leading the ECHL in save percentage, having one of the best seasons in Royals history. He did very similar things in Charlotte for a number of years back a couple seasons ago. And he's the all-time winningest goalie in team history. Instead of giving you the actual stat, which you might mess up in your head right. at the time, 
and I'm not trying to make this so- solely into like the uh, all about the play-by-play. No, but the, well, that's what you do. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, right. But you can you pick out the things you try to remember the most important things, and not doesn't need to be too detailed because in radio it's happening so quick. If I tell you this whole story, here's another one about John Muse. I found out that his from research that another journalist had did in Charlotte that his dad owns a pizza place on Cape Cod in Massachusetts, Paul's Pizza in Falmouth, Massachusetts, and John lives on the Cape. How great is it to say, and in, in a December broadcast, I'm looking at my broadcast partner, Pat Richards, and I turn to him, and another save by Muse with the glove, he covers up, face off to the left wing circle, Royal Zone. Royal's still leading by a goal here early in the second. Hey, Pat, did you know that uh, you know John, in the summers, he likes to hang out around Boston, he's a Massachusetts guy, his dad owns a pizza place a couple blocks from the ocean in Falmouth, Massachusetts. David, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, and John's not even a bit. What if he didn't? What if I asked him about it? Yeah, you know, John has worked there for a couple summers and he likes helping out with making sure his dad. All of a sudden, it's a whole story. Yeah. All I'm really saying is one thing: his dad owns a pizza place in Massachusetts. Right. Cape Cod. That alone can carry it for ten. Sure. Minutes. Exactly. Depending yeah. on what's going on, you might need to fill that time. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. If you're down five nothing in the third. <laughs> sure. What else? Are you, not yeah. the game. <laughs> you want to talk about something else? So yeah. Okay. So that takes care of. Your guys, though. Now, there's tons of back-to-backs on here, but the, okay, they're the same this team back. Season, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so here, here, for example, you're playing one, two, three, four different teams in the span of a week. That's a lot of research yep. for the away team. Which give me the example? Uh, of the week about. This year it is February from the third to the ninth. Yeah, so we would have seen all these teams before, though, right? Um, I, so. Because, like, we play Manchester in October. Um, so you just build it over time. What's nice is if you can, if you're playing two different teams back to back days and you haven't seen the teams before, it's difficult. Yeah. But I'd say so. you can do the research. You're doing the research a week and a half, two weeks, three weeks in advance when you see these teams' rosters. So instead of having to prep for 10 guys the night before a game, which can happen, you at least have 10 guys done. Right. Or if you're seeing Wheeling in West Virginia in November and then again in January, maybe five or six guys have switched. But that's different than the NHL where you might legitimately be seeing four new teams every week for the first right. two months of the season. Right, sure. That's tough. That's where you really got to be good. But if you've seen a player on Wheeling play seven times and you've never really described who he was and he scores a goal in the first period – and it was you know Seth Jones who scored the goal, and Seth's had a pretty good season series against the Royals, and he's from Arizona, and he's one of the guys that was picked up by the Nailers in November at the you know they signed him from this team, and you can put the story all together. It makes it sound like you know everything about the guy. It did sound good. I was believing everything. I don't even know if that's a yeah. real guy. Well, Seth, <laughs> Seth Jones is an NHL for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Okay. Uh, he's from uh, I'm trying to think. He's from Dallas, Texas. And he played for the Texas Junior Stars, Dallas Stars U16 growing up when he was drafted. You know what's upsetting right now? I can't describe family members the way you're describing these hockey players. I forget my family members' birthdays. <laughs> you just reminded me, it's my mom's birthday. You might weeks. want to text or call. Two weeks, two weeks. Oh, two weeks, now. okay. Two weeks from now. So you just reminded me, I got to start thinking of something together. Yeah. yeah. Be bad about it, so. That's not good. You can't forget that one. That's yeah. an important one. Um, I don't know, crap, what the heck was I going to ask you? I, I'm really good at going off on random tangents. Yes, I had something so. that I wanted to ask you that I'm like, oh, that'll be good. 
But uh, all right, so we're all the way back now again to 2011 to 2015, and you go Syracuse Stars Junior Junior Hockey. Yeah. Which that's all, that's all the same area. That's all the same. Hockey. Yeah. Yeah. Women's ice hockey. What's the biggest difference between the games? Anything? No checking, but the pace is. Just, I would argue it's just as good. Um, it was you know college women's Syracuse hockey D one uh, program's not as big as like the Syracuse Crunch. The Syracuse Crunch. There's NHLers that you're right. seeing out there. Um, guys, the, the, the teams that I worked with in Syracuse, and guys, like 15 or 16 of them are playing in the NHL right now over the course of four years. Uh, and it, that was amazing. Right, guys sure. Are legitimate stars in the league working for the Crunch. That's the one that shaped me the most. But going up to, to do Syracuse women's hockey, it, it just gives you an appreciation when you, because working with the Crunch, you're spoiled. Yeah, you're seeing, sure. You're seeing, the, you know, there's 31 NHL teams. You're seeing one of the top 60 teams in the world playing. Right. And they were really good when I was there. So you're seeing one of the top 43 teams in the world sure. playing, if not better. They made the finals one year I was there with the Crunch. But then you go and watch a little bit of a lower level of hockey, and you just get a good appreciation of, heck, this might be what you do for a few years out of college. Right. And if you say to yourself, I don't have time for this, I don't have time to watch like a lower level of hockey, because it is like women's college hockey versus the NHL, sure. I would argue yeah. that. But if you say, like, I don't have time for this, this is below like what I should be doing, you're, you're, you're putting yourself so behind the eight ball. It's fun to call those games. I remember going with my girlfriend at the time, like sitting next to me, I had the headset on and I would like get, you know, there was like a really good hot chocolate machine. And you know, you're just up there sipping a cup of hot chocolate and watching hockey and some intense games down the stretch. Sure. I, th I think the best hockey game, the, the, not the best, but the, uh, the most exciting third period and ending to a hockey game that I ever saw in my life was a Syracuse Stars game. The really? team came back down from 6-1 against in the, the third. In the third, against the Jersey Hitmen. And the Jersey Hitmen goalie put it into his own net egregiously, where he turned around from like the face-off circle and he turned the wrong way and it went off the end of his stick and into the net. Tied it at six, and then the Jersey team that blew the 6-1 lead won seven to six in overtime. Wow. And some of the players that are from uh, on the Royals and in this league, like they played for that team. And you're talking to them about it, and they remember that game. Wow. And they're like, wow, you were calling that game? And I'm like, yeah. That's pretty awesome. It's, but that's, like, that's the appreciation you get. It doesn't always have to be the highest level of stuff. Because if you're doing a good job at what you're doing, you're getting experience, and it's fun, and you're meeting different people. Sure. You're still doing what you love, so yeah. And you know what? Just because you're not playing at the highest level with the highest technique and the highest ability doesn't mean that you're not getting, like you just said, an amazing game. Yeah. An amazing game. I would say if you talk to a Mike Emmerich, if you talk to NHL... NBA, yeah, you have his number. I was going to call him and I would... No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you talk to guys like this, they I, I would say few guys that have been around the block. I'm not around the block. I'm three years out of school and worked in broadcasting for seven, eight years now. Uh, but guys that have like been around the block that started out at like a lower level, like we all did, no one just jumped into the NHL, they would probably say that like the best game that they've seen or one of the most exciting games that they've seen was not in the NBA, NHL, NFL. I'm sure that if you talk to like an NFL broadcaster, they might say, I remember doing this high school game in Missouri. And this guy who maybe went on to become a star, maybe didn't, had this spectacular performance. And it was awesome to see. And 
this amazing ending happened. I'm sure there's a thousand right. shots and stories like that sure. out there from guys that are doing it. So, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Women's softball. Yeah. 35 degrees. NC State arguing that they shouldn't have to play because it was too cold. You're sitting in this press box where your, your feet are so cold doing a doubleheader women's softball. And the ACC team, NC State, since they're from North Carolina, they don't even want to touch the touch the Syracuse field. Right. They make that entire trip up. They fly up there. It's too cold. Can barely play. That's but NC they play State. the game. Well, if it was too cold, there was a rule in the ACC that like you didn't have to do it. Oh, so they, they didn't play. They did nothing. That's one example. There are many games that I didn't play. Okay. That, they just <laughs> remind me of a bad memory of, well, the stupid team from North Carolina just play in the cold yes. weather for once. Or make a decision so I can get the heck out of here yeah. because I'm freezing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, okay, so 2014. This sound. Uh, Orleans Firebirds. My favorite. Massachusetts. So, Cape Cod. Cape Cod. My, my parents love Cape Cod. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I've been there once or twice as a little kid. Didn't appreciate it. Was miserable the whole time. But as an adult, I think I'd like to go there and enjoy enjoy the atmosphere. But Orleans Freebirds. Now, I, I didn't do the research of a David Fine. So, tell me a little bit about them. So, it's a college summer league called the Cape Cod Baseball League. And uh, I was actually in the middle of a broadcast for women's basketball, not not like a real broadcast, but I was making a practice tape at a Syracuse women's basketball game. And they called me, it was like February or March, the director that ended up hiring me, and said, uh, she said, hey, David, run off, do the job, call us back. So I ended up in the middle of a tape, I like listened to the voicemail during like a natural stoppage in play. And I was like, oh my God, I can't, you know, and I ran into a, a, the men's bathroom in the carrier dome and <laughs> made this call back to them because I didn't have, I was so, didn't have the foresight. I just be like, all right, call back tomorrow. Yeah. Be okay. No, you're like, you're oh, all fired up. You're yeah. all fired up. You want to call back immediately, right? And so uh, I made the call and I ended up going to Cape Cod for the summer. Um, my mom actually just got back from Cape Cod. Uh, actually, it's today, believe it or not. Huh. She was up there with my sister just for like three, four days. Um, and uh, normally I would go with her for like three, four days out of the summer. Um, did that basically for most summers, just going for like less than a week, but it's so beautiful up there. So that sure. was number one to try to go there. Uh, a Syracuse connection, who was the broadcaster the year before there, helped me out between my junior and senior year of college. And uh, Eldridge Park, 434 to dead center, 434 feet, um, produced uh, Major League Baseball players like Frank Thomas and Nomar Garcia Parra. Yeah. Um, Aaron Boone. As well, uh, Garcia Parra uh, was, I think, 93, and Frank Thomas was 88 or something. Uh, but if you're playing college ball, you go play in a wooden bat league for the summer, mm -hmm. like most guys yep. do. That's considered probably like the top of the top. They get a lot of money from Major League Baseball. Um, so you're very fortunate to go there. You're watching a great baseball product where all the games take two hours and 20 minutes <laughs> also. Really quick games um, as well. And so 44-game season. And the travel, I mean, I look at the travel then, and I remember complaining about having to drive like an hour to Ketuit, Massachusetts. Because um, it was so What's it like in Ketuit? It's amazing. It's right next to the water. Every place in Cape Cod is great. <laughs> uh, but I remember like an hour trip to Ketuit, and that was like the worst of the worst, right? Uh, now the average trip for the Reading Royals is like six and a half hours in our division. Right. Those are the yeah, closest yeah, yeah. ones. Four and a half, five hours, like the closest one that we'll have. If you get lucky. And you drive your, you drive yourself there or do you go? No, no, no. I'm on the team bus with the Royals. Got a bus. 
for six I hours. It. I get work done for six hours. <laughs> you talk about the prep. Yeah, that's what you're doing the whole time. I'm doing social media stuff and prep for six hours, scheduling stuff. Um, anyway, so uh, up in Orleans, though, the manager is still there. He's been there for almost, I think, almost close to 20 years now. Kelly Nicholson's a math teacher uh, in Manhattan Beach, California. And during the summer, he's like this old, like, not old, he's not old, older, <laughs> he would even say. Don't be an ageist. No, no. Uh, <laughs> Gray-haired, gray glasses, laid-back guy uh, from California that used to be a pitcher, a left-handed pitcher, and he still throws bullpen. He's probably, really? He throws bullpen? I don't really know how old he is. I think he's in, like, his 50s or 60s. But he's still throwing bullpen to these 18-year-old, 19, 20-year-old Good for him. He's great. Uh, one of the nicest guys. Uh, and so out there for a summer following baseball, and a lot of other broadcasters from colleges that are now working in pro baseball um, were calling games that summer with me. A guy that works up in Binghamton for the Rumble Ponies, he was there. <laughs> a guy that works in single A for the Winston-Salem Dash, they broadcasted those two guys for the, our main rival, the Chatham A's or the Chatham Anglers. Um, and there's teams in Harwich, like 15 minute drive commute to, to call a game. Well, that's, this, that's pretty nice. Yeah, that's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. And they had great cookies in Harwich. I can tell stories about this all. Uh, you go to the beach in the morning if you want, or the early afternoon, show up at the ballpark at four o'clock, do some interviews, talk to, talk to Kelly, talk to coach, um, hang out around BP, get the lineup, put it in your scorebook. You prepped already for the game most of the time, sit on the beach doing prep, filling out like your scorebook sometimes. Nothing better in the world. Um, Sound, sounds amazing. Sounds sounds like the dream job. Yeah, uh, and you're on Cape Cod, and you don't get paid. And Orleans helped put me up for like close to free at a place like as close to free as it's going to get. Where I was living with two other guys, one of the other broadcasters, and it set, sets you up great. You get 50, essentially fifty opportunities to do whatever you want with a broadcast over an entire summer. And if you take it seriously, it's great. Sure. Help me get to where I was the summer after in Lansing. Now you just made, you just made a pretty good point there. You're not getting paid this whole time. Nope. So where's the income for the? You know, you got to pay for gas, got to pay for food. Where, where's yeah. all that coming from? Well, like at Syracuse, I was fortunate enough. Like I had a pretty good scholarship there, academic scholarship. So even though I wasn't getting paid up there, my parents are like, "Well, we got a scholarship, so like we'll throw some bucks your way." Because hey, they went on to pay for school, right. really. No, so it wasn't a full ride, but right. like it was, it was. It was a good ride, you know. Yeah. Uh, relative to, no one's paid fifty-seven thousand dollars a year. It's like over sixty now to go to Syracuse. No, you're talking to the community college king here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's the only reason why you go there, as opposed to like a Rutgers or something. Yes. Um, it being from New Jersey, so yeah, that was that's like where that was coming from. You know, you're you're doing a good job. You're doing something that's important for your career, so you can do and get paid. Yeah. For your career. Absolutely. And reminder like I wasn't living for free but like living in Cape Cod for a summer you're paying $5,000 a month for rent anywhere else like I, I think I was paying like $500 a month that yeah. I would give the old couple that was letting us borrow their place wow so yeah the older the older couple wow that was um, nice yeah that was yeah, nice they too had this, they had this creepy trailer next to the apartment we were staying at that was like hadn't been opened in like a like 20 years or something and there was like Probably asbestos in there if there was. <laughs> sure. We're like looking at it every morning. So. I just saw a picture. Speaking of asbestos, I just saw a picture on Twitter. Uh, somebody I follow. I can't remember the name. Sorry about that. Uh, I can't remember the name. But um, he posted an old school picture of an asbestos shoveling competition. Oh, God. Like all black and white. 
And these guys, there's a guy with a whistle and a timer, like an old school stopwatch with not the digital, obviously. But he's standing there with, his, with a timer and a whistle, and they're shoveling this this smoking asbestos into these barrels for I don't know what the prize was. Yeah. But that's that's how. Anyway, off topic. But yeah. I just thought that was a crazy picture to actually see. I can't believe any of those people made it too much longer after that no, contest. No. So. All right, after Cape Cod, Lansing, Michigan, Lansing Lugnuts. Now, okay, I got to ask, what, what? How do these minor league sports teams find their, their freaking names? Lugnuts are one of the, like, original weird name teams. Because they were the Lugnuts in, 90, I think, 96, 1996 was the year they were founded. It makes sense with Lansing because, like, cars and, like, a lot Right, right, Detroit. Uh, yeah, yeah right. and you're an hour away, and there's right. all plants in, like, Flint 30 minutes away, and, Etc. Um, like Saginaw, and, you know, all these places have you know plants all over Michigan. You know, yeah. um, but I'm trying to think. Like, even it hasn't come to hockey yet, but in baseball, the Binghamton Rumble. Oh teams, yeah, yeah, it's all over. The, like, I, maybe it is more of a baseball thing. It is, but it, it just sounds absolute. If you had a minor league baseball team, what would be your your weirdest city? Uh, Any city in the world. Okay, I can't say. Uh, Topton, Pennsylvania. Okay. Hilltoppers team. I don't know. You pick a city. All right. Like if we're going Portland, Oregon, or something, I'd be like the Portland Pedal Lanes. What? It, what the hell is a pedal lane? Bikes in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> so and, and they, I always see. I've never been to Portland, but I always see people pictures of people biking and like there's all separate bike lanes all over the city. It's very uh, progressive in the right. Uh, right. Sure. Vesicular world that way. <laughs> okay, there's like two words in a row you said that I don't understand. Yeah. But uh, um, that's just a, pick a weird name. But in our league, there's a team in our league, Maine. They're our first road game on uh, October the 19th. Uh, we're up there at the Cross Insurance Arena. So they're the Maine Mariners, which is a good name. Yeah, sure. And they used to be the Maine Mariners in the, uh, previously from the uh, Doc Emmerich actually was their broadcaster in the late 70s, their first team, um, or one of their first teams. So uh, anyway, they had a competition, a name the team competition, and it was the main Mariners and the main, you know, whatever, you know, all right, the sure. names, the main Giants, whatever. The fifth choice that they put on there, and it blew up the hockey world on like Twitter and social media. The main wild blueberries, just because it was weird, just because it was weird, yeah. And they knew it would get attention. What did I do? I voted twenty times for the wild blueberries. <laughs> I don't know anyone that voted for anything but the wild blueberries because he wanted to screw them up. But yeah, they sure as heck weren't going to pick that name. That yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. There's a okay. There's a fan vote. Like, come on. Yeah. Right. Like, they're right. going to pick the name that they can market. But this year, they're think, I think they're going to have a wild blueberries night. Like a what if we were. The oh, well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of cool. And they had like sample logos for each of them. And it was <laughs> like you know, a, a, literally a blueberry making a, a mean face at you. <laughs> they drew like eyes on it. So what do you think about your time in Michigan? It was great. Um, Any football games? No, because I was only there. Obviously from, not. Uh, yeah, that doesn't match up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I was going to hang around until I got the job out in Nebraska to work in hockey. Uh, I was going to hang around and do like local you know, high school football, high school basketball, do maybe like a talk show type thing. Uh, but and I, that never happened because I ended up in Nebraska. But uh, Jesse is their broadcaster out there. They just hosted the Midwest League single A all-star wow. team. Um, he is a prime influence on my life, just in terms of a uh, not only a broadcasting perspective and all the things he taught me there, uh, just different pieces of advice. But like from a life advice standpoint, he's the, one of the nicest people ever. He's yeah. an author. Um, 
and he really helped shape me as much as I would say the guy that I worked with in Syracuse, Dan, did for three years. Right, like right. He helped shape me over the course of the summer uh, tremendously. Great. Always encouraged me to, he said, if you get a job somewhere in hockey and you want to do hockey, like, leave tomorrow. Like, that was really nice. He's like, get out of here, you know, like, <laughs> do what you need to do. So, you're just starting your career. So, okay, so that, that was Michigan. And then right after Michigan, you went to Nebraska? Was that the Tri-City Storm? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I drove from, uh, we were in, oh my goodness, we're in Illinois. It's Kane County, the Cougars. So, we were in Kane County, Illinois, which is like near Naperville and a couple other towns over there. Um, and uh, dro- literally got in the car after a game at 5 o'clock on a Sunday, let's say, an afternoon game, and uh, got in the car, and then I started the next day in Nebraska. What's that drive like? Nine hours. Uh, drove four and a half that night to Cl- West Clive, Iowa, which I didn't West realize. West Clive. I, yeah. I didn't realize I'd be driving past West Clive, Iowa so much in my life. Just a suburb of Des Moines. Um, and stayed at like some La Quinta or whatever, <laughs> got back in the car at eight in the morning, um, was in Nebraska by 12.30, Kearney, Nebraska, town of 15, 20,000, a little bit more maybe. Um, and uh, yeah, I was there for two years and it was great. So when we spoke on the phone, you said, just bring up Nebraska. I have tons of stories about yeah. Nebraska. Tell me your Nebraska experience. So first of all, um, I really enjoyed the people uh, that I worked with directly there. The head coach was wonderful. Bill McColt is the associate head coach for the University of Michigan hockey team, former NHLer. Taylor Nelson, one of the other coaches I worked with, works up for Canisius College. He's an assistant coach there. Ben Gordon was an assistant coach mm. this year, uh, or has been like a, a worked with the University of Minnesota before, and he was an assistant coach this year as well. Uh, and uh, th- those guys were great. Matt Stewart, my second year there, wonderful person. I mean, these are some of the nicest people right. that you'll ever meet. Just coaches that are all coming to this town to coach junior hockey, 16 to 20 year olds. Um, and we won the championship there my first year. The that, town, that had to be a heck of an experience. First time they ever won a championship in 17 years. It was yeah. like when the Royals won it here in 2013, right. except three, four years later. Uh, but Nebraska, listen, like, I grew up in North Jersey, like Nebraska. Oh, culture a shock. Big, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit of a culture shock. Like you know, they got the corn and then they got, well, the corn. And then what else is there in Nebraska besides corn? The bar <laughs> scene was really good. Really? Central Avenue in Kearney, Nebraska. It's easy. You're a you can walk if you wanted. You're a mile away from your house. Um, and because the town is, it was a box. It was a five mile by five mile box. So 20. What's five times five? 25 square five. miles. See, I can do that one. That's yeah. about it, though. That's where I top out. It takes me, it takes me a second on this square <laughs> mile. Uh, but, it, you know, like I lived a mile and a half from Central Avenue, a mile, 15, 20-minute walk. Safe town. Like, literally never heard of any real crime that Good. happened there. Maybe someone the, – the biggest crime is that someone didn't open the door for, like, their girlfriend on a, on a date or something like that uh, in Kearney, Nebraska. But, like, the bar scene is good. People are – some of the – I'm not making this up. Like the nicest, most genuine people from that town that I still keep in touch with a few of them there um, that are wonderful. But yeah, like it's a culture shock. Barely ever left town unless we were on a road trip because the closest town, just consider this. Like how big is Why Missing? How many people live in Why Missing? I don't know. A couple thousand maybe? Not many. But like, I mean, like the suburbs. Uh, uh, The the greater Reading area, what's 100,000 in the city? No, the greater Reading, yeah. Is like 400,000 yeah. people about like it's, yeah. it's you know there's 400,000 people that are living in this such square mile radius and that's big like that's a big area uh relative
fit fit like Carney because Carney was like twenty, let's say twenty two thousand people ago, and well, that's uh, a significant difference, then. right? Yeah, but the the biggest town of greater than like fifteen thousand, twenty thousand people was, and I know the mileage because I passed the sign on every day to work going <laughs> over Route eighty, the same Route eighty. That you could pick up here. That's the wow. Route 80 that goes through that. You know, wow. if you went an hour and a half north by Wilkesbury, like that Route 80. Um, anyway, or like Stroudsburg, whatever that Route 80. So the closest town of like greater than thirty thousand people, fifty miles to the east is Grand Island, Nebraska. Ninety-seven miles to the west is North Platte. If you get on Route 80, it says fifty to Grand Island this way and ninety-seven to North Platte that way. Let me tell you something. There's not much in between. Nothing in between, huh? So you, you're, you're in the town. You, feel, you really do feel like you're on an island. You're two hours from Lincoln, um, and you're uh, 180 miles from uh, Omaha. Yeah, about 180, 150 miles or something like that from Omaha. That's the closest airport from Kearney of any re- that can fly anywhere in the U.S. Wow. Omaha, the Omaha airport. You can go to Grand Island and get a $100 flight to Las Vegas if you want, by the way. Ooh. Um, but so much different. And you know, like I remember, we won the we won the Clark Cup, and you know, you're sitting there and, and you're partying the night after, and you're bringing the cup to all the local bars. And oh stuff. yeah, yeah. People never that never been to a game in the small town are even like excited about it. We just decided to like drink out of the drink out of the Clark Cup for no reason other than like we could do it in one of the sure. bars downtown. Have a fun time. Why not? Yeah, yeah bring the bring the cup different places. I, I remember I was responsible that night. And I, I was responsible, and I, I'm not making this up. Like the DD that night. For driving the coaches and getting the coaches back safely, right, right, uh, because they're having a fun time. Oh, I want you, yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, and, and my perk was I got to hang with the freaking coaches. Sure, that's awesome. Party, <laughs> it was great, and bring the cup around and carry it all these different places around town. Um, like that was that's like one of my favorite memories. Sure, like, absolutely. Of, you know, my life um, that night after, how much fun it was, how excited I was, how I woke up uh, uh, after taking like a cab back to my apartment that was really like two miles away after being at the coach's house and hanging out after we won, like yeah, had a few beers and took a cab back. The next morning walking to get my car and then drop, like I slept like an hour and a half the night after we won the championship, going in and knowing I had to do the highlights. And so doing the highlights from like 6 a.m. to like 9 a.m. after being up till 4 a.m. You were done. And doing all this stuff. And for the next week, like, making all these celebration videos of the team, like, that was so cool to be able to do that. But, uh, you know, just other memories of meeting a bunch of people out there that were from so much of a different background than I was. Right. And, like, politically, definitely from a different background sure. than where I was from. Um, at least the general populace of where I grew up in the middle of the Northeast and how much yeah. different it was. Uh, but still being able to have connections with people out there, like, that's a special thing. Sure, Absolutely. Those, those life experiences are like that's kind of what I, uh, I I would say envy of somebody like you who can do this and start from Jersey and travel all over. Not, yeah, I mean the East Coast for the most part a little yeah. bit, but you know can get out of their comfort zone and go to, go do all these different things and chase what they really want to do at the end of the day. That's like that, everyone, like all broadcasters in our league. Yeah, but that to me, as a person who, with crazy anxiety about stuff like that, and you know, leaving their comfort zone and, and going out and doing things that might, okay, this is what I, my goal is, but I'm terrified to do the things to get to that goal, uh, is a struggle for me. 
and, and you know you just got to kind of bite the bullet and do it and if you fail you fail but hey I tried it and you'll do it again but to just go out there and go I'm gonna do this I don't care I'm gonna focus on what I want to do I'm gonna put my head down and achieve my goals that that's something that I envy in people because I don't have it in myself all the time. And you're exactly right. It's you just. I was talking to my buddy last night. He works in South Carolina. He's the broadcaster in in South Carolina. He worked for the team in Nebraska before I was there. Okay. That's how I got to know him because he was there before I was there. And he's been a great like source of advice and all this stuff. And everyone in our world tends to help each other out if you want to go anywhere because you're going to need help at some point. Sure. Right? Uh, but I'm talking with Jared last 24 hours ago. And uh, one of our friends, unfortunately, like was just let go by a team, um, and it stinks. And it yeah, sucks. sure. And we know that, like, next time he gets an opportunity, it could be in like you know Walla Walla, Washington. Yeah. Like he's getting in his car and driving to Walla Walla, Washington, if he feels like he's going to be paid enough to live out there and do what he loves. Absolutely. You just do it. That's the crazy world of the radio, in general. I think, like, when you do just radio, like broadcasting and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of my favorite shows were talk shows. Um, uh, 94.1, the station from Philly. They, they were all talk at one point. And now they're completely different. Now they're sports talk now. Yeah. But they used to be like rock and just regular talk radio. Well, the main guy that I listened to, he got transferred to Portland first. And now he's in Cincinnati. And it's like they drive to all these different spots because that's what you do. That That's just your life. And some of these guys have families that like, you know... If I was a single guy and you as a single guy, you could just do it. It doesn't matter. Nope. You know, you can, hey, you tell your immediate family and friends, this is where I'm going to be, this is what I'm doing. I'm out. Yeah. And, but if you have a family and you have to relocate like to schools and things like that, that's got to just rip lives apart. That's why you tend to see guys that like aren't in the NHL, let's say, um, that if they have a family, it's not like you're anchored to a place, but you just said it. Like it's tough to just be like, I'm going to broadcast at this place now because our business is, and you learn this, I've been in it for three years as a professional for whatever that's worth. And it's so fleeting. Guys are leaving. I remember one time I'm like, no, no job is open in another league or whatever. Like, guys are going to leave all the time. Someone's uh-huh. going to get fired here. The president's not going to like this guy there. And already in the, in the professional hockey world this summer, there's been like five openings. Right. Um, just because you know, guy, some guy gets fired here, some guy decides to live with his girlfriend here, and he has to leave, and like, yeah, that happens. Yeah. yeah and, and yeah, the, the the thing is, I guess the main rule is what? Don't buy a house. That's what they, that's what they tell you everywhere. Don't 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 buy a house because you're gonna have to sell that house. Yeah. It's, yeah. Don't don't buy a house. That's crazy. Our I profession. Our, Radio broadcaster, and minor, minor league hockey. No. So, so where of, where are you at right now then? So I'm living. Uh, you know where um, the crab barn is? I do know where the crab barn is near my parents' place, actually. Yeah, yeah. So I live like near. There's one of those apartment complexes over there. We almost before we moved into our old place, we're gonna go there. Yeah. It's nice though. Yeah, it's like it, it's interesting because you're a mile from Reading High. Right. And. Like it doesn't feel like you're. It feels like you're five miles from Running High. Yes. And you're a mile from Albright, less than a mile from Albright. It's a seven minute walk for me to get to that little Chinese uh, Chinese food place there that I love. Right. Amazing walk. Like not to. I know it's not, you're not sponsored yet, but like amazing walk. It's right? fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll be like, fine with it. Like, they got me through many <laughs> many nights of preparation, like having some uh, house the house special soup and then like some like tofu or something. Like yeah, that. sure. Really good tofu. Like it's better than their chicken, so I just get huh. the tofu. Um. Anyway, but like. 
you know, it's like a seven, eight minute walk from my apartment to get down there. And, but you feel like you're a mile and a half. You feel like you're seven miles. Well, you're not around the garbage. Yeah. You know, know, there's a lot of, like, I'm a big fan of the Pike Cafe in Reading. It's great. But man, you will, you know, sometimes you walk a block either way. It's like, I hope it's light out. My, my cousin went to, went to uh, Albright and he, you know, gunshots, you know, as he's trying to walk home. It's like, it's a shame because that area, especially right where the arena is, could be huge. I feel like in, again, I'm only, I'm not by no means a Reading greater development (laughs) expert. Um, It's unfortunate that the stigma of the downtown area is like that. And yeah, with the Royals, like if we were playing, I'll be honest, we're playing and why am I missing? Or we're like the Vikings playing? Like, yeah. you know, get the hell out of here. We'd be drawing a thousand more fans again. Right. Like, come on, there's a stigma. There's a stigma against downtown Reading. But with that being said, it doesn't mean, and I believe this, it could be 20 years from now. It doesn't mean that in 20 years from now, it's not going to be looking a lot better and people are going to be doing better off down there. I hope and so. I, I think it will. I really, I really believe it will be because there's a team in our league in Worcester, Massachusetts. Worcester, Massachusetts looks a lot like Reading in certain parts, mm-hmm. but it's not like Reading. Like it looks like it, but it's not like right. it. Um, and so, how I, so? What do you mean by that? No, just like in terms of like the, it looks more like West Reading. It looks like the type of restaurants. Okay. And so you get people that are like, oh, we're gonna go to this place because you know now they're walking there and they're at, they're working at the bank or whatever right there, something mm-hmm. on their bank, and they're like, okay, I can just step outside and get like a nice lunch here, and then. I went to this place, and then you go home and you tell your family, like, hey, I went to this place, like, you go back downtown Reading and go there. And then there's more parking garages, or the parking's a little bit easier there, and maybe it's not as much of a walk. I, I really believe, I really think in 15, like, it could be five years, it could be 15 years, it's going to look so much better in downtown. Like, I'm hopeful for it, that it looks so much better. Well, I hope so, because, I mean, this whole thing that came out in the paper not too long ago, actually, it's probably over close to six months ago, uh... Where, and again, I'm not too much into the politics of all this stuff, yeah. but uh, weren't didn't didn't one of the main guys on the uh, on the board there like they can't justify they can't find out where all the money to the city was even spent? I, I like, know that there's a lot of issues. Yeah, um, a lot of like random things that pop Just up. Just money missing. Where to go? Nobody has any idea. And now he's like, I'm done. Yeah, it's a whole thing, which is a shame because, like I said, and my fiance is from Pittsburgh. So, I mean, not that that's some high-class city, but... It's nice though. I've been there. It's nice. We lived there for two years. And, um, like, the north side. uh, North side and the south side. um, Just built up and and a great atmosphere. And it doesn't, you know, setup-wise, doesn't look too different. It's just, you know, you you, you don't have the broken windows. You don't have the, the empty businesses, you know. It, it would be great to see that come back and be a booming area. Yeah, I really think downtown Reading will be because there's so many examples of a couple of investors that say, hey, we want to make it look like this and this. They give, you know, it's easier for a business to develop in downtown Reading. And then all of a sudden, what it looks like in West Reading, it looks sort of like in Reading. It crosses the bridge. It crosses the bridge. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Once they, if the bridge construction is 50% done, that's a major problem. Not oh, only, it's horrible. It's horrible. Not only, I would say, for the Royals, too. Like, the parking is difficult mm-hmm. because, like, just for various reasons. It's annoying sometimes to park, but it doesn't mean it's hard. It just means it's not – like, you park at the double tree. It's the easiest thing in the world. Yes. But to get over the bridge is sometimes a pain. Mm-hmm. And the first thing my dad – my dad's only been in Reading just to see me a couple of times. He said, man, like, someone's got to do something about that bridge construction. 
once that's done and it's easier to get a little in and out of the city, I feel like that's really going to spur some things. It could, absolutely. Yeah. If you don't make it easy for people, they're not going to take that additional step. Yeah. That's with anything, though. That's, that's with anything. God bless our season ticket holders with the <laughs> Royals because they are some of the nicest people ever. They're great, and the fans that they, and the encouragement that they do to like bring their friends to games, and then those people are hooked for life to come to their first time. That's how I started going to the Royals. I mean, I've been to Flyers games, but I started going to the Royals. My best friend, Sean Renshaw, his dad is a season ticket holder. Yeah. And by the way, what do we got to do to get Patrick Renshaw a jersey at the last home game? Has he never won a jersey? He's never won a jersey. Never won a jersey. He sits there every, every year, and Patrick he never gets a jersey. Renshaw. Patrick Renshaw, yeah. Is it W R E N or is it R E N? It's R E N S H A W. Okay, we'll look him up. We'll, okay. We'll see what we can do. Before. See that, Pat? <laughs> no, he's a great guy. It's a great family in general. Um, okay, so we're at Tri City Storm from 2015 to 2017, correct? And so that's the first pay job. Yep. Okay. Um, then. Then how, how does the Royals, how does the, the whole first, Royals the thing first happen? Break even job, you know? oh, the four, first break-even job. The first break-even job. How does, how did the Royals come into the picture? So I'm sitting at my desk in like last week of September. Season starts for the Tri-City Storm on like October the 6th. It's like September 26th. Oh, you're ready for your season to start. Yeah, see, see, everything's done for the season. I'm all ready for the season. Prep's done for the season. And uh, we're about to go travel to uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for a tournament, actually. Where in um, Pittsburgh? Uh, Cranberry Township. That's where my wedding's happening in oh, a year. Yeah. Getting married in Cranberry. The end of the turnpike, as I like to call it. The end of the turnpike, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, Cranberry. Right at the Pittsburgh Penguins practice facility okay. for the tournament. It's like two days before, literally two days before we leave. I think it's a Tuesday. We're leaving on a Thursday. Well, part of it is, you know, you meet a lot of broadcasters and you try to stay in touch and be a good guy. And, you know, you're happy for everyone that has success, whether they're, you know, three years younger than you or 10 years older than you. It doesn't matter. Um, pay it forward, right? And so I like to think that, you know, I, you know, with some of the guys that I've talked to, that they would have the same way to feel about me, that if there was a chance or they heard something, maybe they'll shoot me a quick text. And I'll be honest, I wasn't necessarily thrilled about the idea of being in Nebraska for a third year. Just because I want to be closer to family. Like sure, yeah. Really, you know, I've told you this a thousand times, like dog sitting my mom's dog. Right, right yes. now, Just for the week, like golden retriever. Like could never, and I love her so much, could never, ever do that. You're not from Nebraska, Nebraska. It's no. It's impossible. She can't get on a plane. I'm not putting a nine-year-old dog on a plane. She's going to have a heart attack. <laughs> right. Seriously. Um, and you're not driving 24 hours round trip. It's impossible. Um, like just the little things, being back closer to home, closer to friends, like we all want to do at the end of the day. So I'm sitting at my desk and I get a text from a buddy that I had worked with previously and he said, hey, just so you know, the job I saw the job in Reading came open. And I responded to him and I said, like, do you have a contact there? And he said, yeah, let me get it for you. And it was the Mark Thompson who was the broadcaster here for the previous 12 years. Mm. Um, and he said, I just like texted Mark or something and like he'll be willing to talk to you. So like I talked to him like two minutes later. And then I saw as I was talking to him, my phone kept on vibrating. I got like three or four other text messages saying, this is open apply for. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, looking really, out for it. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool, and I and like it, it was. I felt very gracious for all these guys. So I talked to Mark, which is a good first step. He gave me a few hints who to apply to, send stuff over immediately. Like thirty minutes later, I send stuff over. I had stuff ready to go. I basically just because I knew I had to send it over, did some very cursory research, had a generic sort of cover letter, who I was, what I could help the team with, 
pretty much switched out names. Yes, yeah, yeah sure. Rough, just trying to get something because I knew it was going to be an avalanche of stuff. People, when a broadcasting job opens in minor league hockey, within 20 minutes, Flooded. there's there's 20 guys that have applied, yeah. and within three days, there's 300 of them, like 150 guys that have applied. Not kidding. Um, and so I got an email response back from the guy who would end up being my boss at the Royals. And he said, can you be here on Thursday? It was the same day that we were flying to Pittsburgh. And I'm like, what do I do? And he emailed me and it was like sent for my iPhone. Oh, right. And so, like, <laughs> and so I knew like he's, he's looking for the yeah. response quick. I talked to a few people. Um, they said, I think you, you got to do it. I'm like, well, what do I do about like? Yeah, that's a huge thing. There? Like there's a preseason tournament. We're flying to Pittsburgh. I came up with this idea in my mind that um, to tell my boss in Nebraska um, that I was going to fly. And I, I wanted to be open. I didn't want to be like there's a death in the family. Like I'm not right. going to BS someone. Because oh, karma comes back and then there's yeah, a real yeah. – Then there's something that actually happens. Yeah. So I wasn't going to do that. Even though a couple people told me to do that, I, like a family of Yeah, that also traps you up because then, hey, your grandmother died three times this year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. Yeah. I didn't want to do it. Maybe I should have based on what the story I'm about to get into oh, boy. is. Um, but – uh, so I was very honest. I said, you know, we've always talked about how, like, you know, you guys want to help people advance to the next level. And I'm like, I'm going to be honest. I have a job interview on Thursday. Um, and I need to I need to miss the flight. Um, I will pay for my flight there and back, obviously. Um, I, I would like to do that. Or what I'd really like to do is I'd really like to be a part of the team for the preseason games in Pittsburgh. And, I mean, the response that I got was, like, you know, stuff that I wouldn't even dare to repeat to, like, the person I was tuning into an absolute enemy. Like, really? It was, not it, was, bad. it was really bad. I'm not throwing anyone under the bus, but it was like, it was like not fair. You know, it was not right. fair. And it, it was a good learning experience. And was this a phone call or was this a new It was both. It was in-person phone call, everything. Okay. Um, and basically like they said, like get your crap. You're and done. Be back in the office on Monday oh. and hope you beg to have a job, which like I did. Like I was like, listen, like I feel strongly about still being part of this team. But like, if something opens up that I feel like could be realistic, like, I, I want to go for it. You guys are, it's a development league. The USHL is a development league. And it was just, you know, a couple a couple bad eggs. Like, it's not it's not the organization of the league as a whole. Just a couple people that didn't see eye to eye with me. Which is fine. It's professional disagreement. Right. And uh, anyway, so I ended up in Reading. Like, I'm scared leafless because I don't know whether I'm going to have a job. Yeah, now. there's no safety net there's now. There's no safety. So I just figured, like, I'm going I'm to go for this. Like, I, I'm meant to be here. Like, I'm sitting here in Reading, Pennsylvania two hours from where, you know, from my mom's house and, um, you know, like three hours from my dad, like this is, this would be great. Like there'd right. be nothing better and had a good interview. And then two days later I get the job. I'm back in Nebraska and they like, you know, were like, Oh, we'll keep you on for an hour or something like that. And then I got the job and then like put in my two weeks, but they ended up saying, well, I'll just leave on Friday. Uh. And so I'm like, all right. And I was out of there. And, it, and, you know, I felt bad about the way it ended, obviously, but sure. you can't do anything if you don't see eye to eye with a couple people. And I'm sure that if I talk to them now, like, it would be fine and there wouldn't be a problem. But, like, it was a weird thing that happened to right. me um, where I ended up coming to uh, Reading. It was a, and a weird story. Um, just a, didn't see, didn't, something didn't click. Um, and all of a sudden, I'm, but I got a new job anyway. So I don't know what I, like that was a, that was a good learning experience for me. But I don't know if I'd do anything differently. Yeah, I, don't I know. just might be more prepared for a negative response. I, I yeah. listening to the story and listening to how close you were to the start of the season. Yeah, that was, I don't. I do, I understand the frustration. Yeah. 
yeah. that you may have received. But I, I, you know, I mean, you can't trash a guy. Yeah, like twenty-four-year-old guy trying yeah, to better himself. You can't you know? trash a guy for doing that. It does it leave you in kind of a crappy I, spot? Sure. Like, I don't want but, to talk about that this part of it too much more. But like a podcast is more than just like, oh, you did this and that. Like it's a learning experience, sure. right? And so again, like if the people that were list are listening to this on the other end, right? Like the the people that I'm referring to, if they heard it, they might would, would say, well, you left like a week before the season started, to you know, week, the week before the season started. That's not right. Um, but with that being said, like and they might still think that. But I'm not going to disagree that it's just like, oh, it's a learning experience, and you move on from it, you know. And right. Plus, you ended up being somewhere where you're probably mentally happier. So you probably do your job, not that you didn't do your job good there, but you know, they, all those little things play in to your ability to do your job and, yeah. and be happy in what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The worst, the worst distinction that anyone I think could get in any profession, professionally I'm talking about, always oh, just always going for the next job. Mm. Like he's not really bought into the team. And stuff loyalty like that. kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, loyalty. And in the hockey world, like if you don't play defense, you don't play. Right. Like in the NBA, like yeah, James Harden doesn't play defense during the regular season. He, he's the MVP of the league. And I right. love the NBA, but it's just yeah. fact, right. you know, right. sure. like he's saving his energy for offense. Like in hockey, if you save your energy, you better save some energy for offense, but you're also going to go 100% on defense. Or be Phil Kessel. Yeah, but, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's just a mentality, especially in the sports world. Like if you don't... Someone thinks you're disloyal in the sports world, like that gives me a negative pit of emotion uh, in my sure. stomach. That's like the worst thing that you could be. Right. So, you know, I'm happy to be close to home and I love it here in Reading and it's great and I love the city and I love my time in Nebraska and it's awesome. I'm happy to happy to be here and working for a great organization. So do you look at this as now I don't know the ranks of things. I'm not sure. This is double A. Uh, and Tri City was. Uh, essentially uh, it's a junior league, so essentially think of it like a step below college. Like, so uh, like this college. is a promotion for you? Yeah. Yeah, and I see that by the added responsibility on your LinkedIn. It just keeps going. Yeah. Uh, but you seem like a guy that likes to work, that likes to fill up his time. Does it ever get to a point where now there's – and maybe this is just what it is. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe once you reach this point, these are all your responsibilities and it is what it is. Yeah. And – do you ever find it? Do you ever have a, you know find yourself struggling a little bit to maintain all that? Because I mean, to constantly post on Twitter, to constantly have a faith, uh, you know, a social media presence. We have a post in nine minutes on Twitter. See, okay, scheduled, there you go. Scheduled, so yeah, that's way beyond my ability. Yeah. But uh, yeah. <laughs> you saw me struggle with the software. Mute button. Yeah. We'll get in it. Well, Ever. I'll explain yeah. that afterwards. But. Uh, so you do a lot of automatic posts. You do a lot of scheduled posts, and not, you don't have to constantly sit there and, and go. Be, I would be. I would go nuts. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, gonna yeah. say people go nuts. People that post hundreds of times a day. So, but you have to put them in there. Yep, that's work. You have to have the foresight to think at six o'clock. I think people will want to see this a week from now. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. You have such long-term preparation. Yeah. Uh, Blows my mind. Your, I, I'm not worried. Was about the like. Does it ever like, does it, feel like it piles up? Yes. Does it ever become overwhelming with all those responsibilities? Because you only have a certain yeah. amount of time. Yeah, but you you, you work through it because you're doing what you like to do. So you're not um, working. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like you're not working. So um, from my side of it, what's interesting is that like yeah, like I do travel with the team during the off season and during the regular season, making sure that when we show up to the Wheeling West Virginia hotel at two in the morning, that we're not sitting on the corner of the road. Because that would be like the worst thing ever. Yeah. Um, doing the media relations side of it, all the media releases that we put out, I'm writing um, during the season. I might get some intern help, um, 
but other than that, all the media releases, like I'm writing, um, the social media, I'm doing sales stuff in the off season, which if, you, if you're successful with it, then it can sure. into the regular season. Uh, and that's the hope. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm still learning a little bit. I did a little in Tri-City, so I'm still learning uh, out in Nebraska, from what I learned out in Nebraska. But um, yeah, like, but there's always some time to do it. You just have to be efficient and, and try to budget your time because if you think it's an eight to five or a nine to five job during the season, you're, you're screwed. You're doing something wrong. Yeah. Um, if you're in the NHL, it's not an eight to five or nine to five, and that's when your your entire job is devoted to the radio or the TV broadcast, sure. and it's still not during the season. You know your hours are crazy. Um, yeah, like is it overwhelming at times? Yes, but you're to me the overwhelming part is don't be awake at three in the morning by yourself on the bus feeling like crap about yourself. Be asleep. Give yourself that time to rest and sleep on the bus and have your you know sleep straight up sometimes <laughs> or in a weird spot. Um, do your work on the bus at midnight on a on a Saturday after you've called games for two straight days and worked back to back fourteen hour days and you got a game coming up the next day at three p.m. at home and you got to get your game notes done. You got to write the preview for the next day. Like that's where it can feel overwhelming. I'm already overwhelmed, and I'm not doing any of this. Yeah, and then you got to schedule all the social media posts, sure. and you got to you know email the other broadcaster and media guy, and make sure they're all set. Um, yeah, all this stuff, uh, and you just do it because it's like okay, next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing. And it's the same thing if you're if anyone's ever yeah, it's a stressful situation. It's minor league hockey. I don't know if overwhelmed the right word, but at times it can feel like if you don't do things, it will be overwhelming. Sure. But you just do it. And there's a reason why people want to have the job that I do, uh, and that because it's fun. Sure, you're wa you're watching a sport you love to watch, dude, and you're commenting on it and being involved in it. We're in, uh, coming back from Norfolk, Virginia, in February, and we stop at this gas station at midnight, and there's like this rooster next, standing next to a gas station that's like, you know, like blocking our way from going into this gas station in rural Virginia, and like. One of the players is like making fun of this rooster or something like that or whatever it was. And like that's hysterical. Sure. And that's like a fun story. And you take a picture and you post it on social media like found a friend on the trip back to Reading. <laughs> right. And it's just this like chicken standing in front of like a Speedway gas station. <laughs> that's fun. Sure. Buying Michael Hunterbrinker was a forward on our team this season. Um, one of the best rookies in the league. Like buying Michael like a Reese's Big Cup. Because he said he had never tried it before, and then like you surprised him and you split a Reese's big cup with him, uh, where you have one and he has the other one, and you know, like that's fun, you know, it's something that no one else. It's putting a, a Reese's peanut butter cup with a professional hockey player, right? At, and you know, it's, you're not being weird about it, but you develop a really, these, these guys are 25, 26, like I am. Like it's fun to be around these guys. I'm sure the the crap that gets said. On a minor league bus, I can is imagine some, is some of the funniest, just the most, the, the funniest things that you will hear in your entire life. And there's no doubt in my mind that, like, you will not hear anything funnier than what you hear on a minor league bus. And you're sitting there. Most of the time, I have my headphones in, like listening to Bruce Springsteen, and just trying to like bang out some work. And you hear this story being told in the background. And it's like the funniest, it's like the dumbest and funniest <laughs> thing. There's no way for me to describe it other than, like, it's the place you want to be at that time, sure. even though it's a pain in the ass that you're traveling seven and a half hours to Portland, Maine on a Tuesday at 11 p.m.
Sure, you're creating memories that you're gonna have for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's the work-related stuff or whether it's the bus trips, you you have stuff that nobody can take away from you, no matter what happens. Which is which is kind of the deeper what this whole thing's all about, anyway. Yeah. So that's awesome. Uh, you're obviously a man of discipline because that schedule sounds insane. And to keep to keep your mind is crazy. Well, I mean, you look at the schedule and yeah, what's going on with the Royals uh, coming up? Yeah, so our first game is October the thirteenth versus Worcester. We have this big opening weekend planned, um, block party and a red carpet presentation. Really? Going to have a band out there and everything oh, right cool. across from the Double Tree. There, it's, it's really nice. We did it last year too, um, and this year it's going to be a little bit bigger and grander and make it more like Hollywood red carpet. It's, that's going to be oh, insane. that's neat. Uh, opening weekend. Uh, we'll have some giveaway on that opening night too. We're trying to set a world record, which we can't talk about just yet. Oh come! Um, but breaking news. No, 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 no. Not yet. <laughs> I mean, I actually can't yet. If it doesn't happen, then you'll be angry at me. But it should happen. Um, but like, this is a Monday to Friday job, and then if you play on the weekends, like those are fourteen-hour days. Wow. And so, you know, I'm looking at the schedule pretty much from October fifth, which is the uh, uh, first preseason game, uh, through about. <laughs> like Sunday, November 4th, from basically October 4th until Sunday, November 4th. You get a couple days after that, I see. No, that. I won't get a couple days, but I'll be off on the Sunday and then maybe take that Monday, like, to relax a little bit and do, like, a half-day type thing. Really? Um, so you, yeah. you're you off the 4th, well, you're off that night, right? Well, it's Sun- the Sunday. So you're yeah, off yeah, Sunday. I, I'm not going to be, but I still might do, like, a little bit of prep or something, just depending, but I should be good because... Uh, well, we play Adirondack for the first time that we- upcoming weekend. This right. is terrible for radio or listening. No, I'm fine with it. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm but, fine with like, it. Yeah, there's times where, and I'm not. This is not a woe is me. This is yeah. Like I'm going to be working a month straight every day at least. You know, Monday to Friday, like nine to five. Now, and then on home weekends, and homes. Yeah. Don't sorry. Home and homes gotta suck. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that like uh, the first pre- preseason game is five hours away in Glens Falls, New York, and then Saturday the sixth. We're at home, so we'll be back at 3 in the morning. Go wow. Bed, and, uh, yeah, you wake up at 10 in the morning and you get yourself ready for a great old hockey <laughs> game. But what I do, um, especially on a home game and away games, there's more natural breaks. You go to morning skate, talk to a player or two, and then you're, you know, have a nice meal for lunch, hang out, have a good meal for dinner, and then you call a game. And it's a little bit, you know, you do some prep, too, and work, obviously. Uh, but for a home game, try to be in at the office probably, like, or so, and then uh, you know you work from like nine to noon, and you, that's where you get the majority. Like you got to get your stuff done. Right. Then I try to build in like a two-hour break from twelve to two, let's say, where I'm off. Maybe go for like a walk, something like that. Um, get a little exercise if I didn't, you know, go for a run in the morning or whatever. Um, to clear your mind and try not to focus on the game that night, like a player would with the sure. team. Now head back around two. Start, you know, continue what you need to do, finishing up some uh, pieces. Hopefully by four or five, you're pretty, like, relaxed. Talk to the coach at, let's say, talk to Kirk, our head coach. Uh, he's wonderful, by the way. Uh, has helped me a lot. Uh, you're, you're telling me about him on the phone. Yeah. We're speaking, yeah. Yeah. Great I, story for that guy. Yeah. Um, absolutely. He's an inspiring individual just to be around, um, given everything he's been through. But, um, like, talk to Kirk at 430 over at 4.45, um, cut up the radio interview, broadcast equipment's already set up, eat a nice pre-game meal, one of our fine sponsors uh, that will bring food. Must um, be nice. Nice. <laughs> uh, part of the perk of working a 14-hour day. Uh, and then 
Um, you know, we head up there to confer with Pat Richards, our, our radio telecommentator. He's been doing it for 15 years for free. Wow. Gets it in the game for free. He's like the, he's like the encyclopedia of Royals hockey. He knows everyone that's ever played for the team and can tell you three things about them. That's love of the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a former USA hockey referee and is like the best color commentator in the league. Wow. He, he gets it. Um, and I like to let him speak more than me or as much as I can because he sounds a lot more intelligent than I do. Well, you blew uh, me out of the water. Not a high bar here, but you blew me out yeah. of the water. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and then, you know, you call a game. It's over at 10, 9, 9.30. Uh, you get the recap done, hopefully sent out no later than 10. That's sort of the rule I like to have 30 minutes after because you got to get on the 10 o'clock news. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to have, you know, so that they know what happened in the game. Uh, so then, you know, hopefully recap's done by 10, 10, 15 latest, but even then you're really pushing it. And then, like, game, you get your game notes done. You're done around maybe 12, 12, 15. So I'll, it depends. If I want to, if I'm, it's a home game, normally, like, I'm with interns. So I will, I'll maybe hang, let them hang out to, like, 11 and say, like, get out of here. Like, mm-hmm. I might be here another hour. You're not going to gain anything just by sitting here looking at me other than feeling miserable. Um, so, you know, go back home maybe at 11, continue doing some game notes, finishing stuff for the game the next day. About 12, 15, you're done. You're still so wired, man. That's the thing. You're, you're so, so wired. You don't crash? You, you, it takes like 30, 45 minutes, especially because I'm doing the social media um, after the game. Right. During the game, we have someone that does it. Thank goodness. Um, but you're so wired that you, it takes 30, 45 minutes for you to come down just laying in bed with like the pillow over your head <laughs> just to fall asleep. Um, so then it's like one, let's say, most nights fall asleep. Coaches are would be up later than me, by the way. Like, if I say I fall asleep at 1, they're like, that's a godsend. They're prepping for the, the next game. Next game, yeah. Um, like, they're, they, they're, and they're maybe up until 2 or 3. Uh, but then you do it all again. You're asleep at 1. I try to wake up around, like, 7, 7.30. I'll make myself go for a run or something outside or go to go to body zone or something like that. Right. I just try to run and, like, listen to the game over from the last night. I'll put it on my iPod and listen through Dropbox on my phone. Um, so that I have something to listen to while I'm exercising, so it's a little bit more bearable. Right. And then, um, you know, you get yourself set. You're at the office 9, 10, 10 the latest on a Saturday. That morning skate starts at 10. They're off at 10.30. Talk to players about the game the night before, and you just do it again. again. And then if you have a game on Sunday, you do it do again. Do it again. <laughs> wow. It's a, it's a weird schedule, but I don't think it's that much off from what other people are doing that's, that are in this industry. That's awesome. And That's just do it. You know, just do it. Sounds like it takes amazing discipline. It, it, not as much as you think because you're having a lot of fun. Well, hey, Dave, I appreciate you coming yeah. on. Thank Thanks you. a lot. Thanks for helping. By the way, there was a 30-minute period here where I couldn't realize what a mute button was. And I'll talk about that after Dave leaves. I've kept him for long enough. I appreciate him being on. And uh, any last words about the Royals? What's the prediction for the year? I think that uh, the team is going to be really deep this year. Actually, just talking with our head coach, inspiring story cancer survivor so you talk about someone that is disciplined and resilient sure like that's Kurt not to not to tangent but like he's one of the best people I've honestly ever met in my life um and yeah uh, but Kurt was telling me today the team's going to be really deep this year we know a few guys that have signed we'll be announcing a few more over the next few weeks and it's going to be a lot of fun announcing these guys because a fan will be able to put the pieces together on the depth chart and I think like First, second, third. The team's made the playoffs nine straight years. Right. We were uh, third in the third in our sorry not in our in the Eastern Conference. Third in the division last year. 
Uh, so we played the second seeded team in the North Division. Right. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we're second or first this year. Awesome. Um, so I think it's going to be a really strong year. Awesome. David Fine of the Reading Royals, thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks, Justin. I'm just saying.